This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. So I want to say thank you all for coming out tonight. This is great. I was very nervous and it's a very encouraging crowd from the looks of it. The uh, topic for me was five verses. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. I think that's five verses. If I'm doing the math straight, it could be six. Uh, character of the new man. And this was one that really challenged me. After last week's uh, study with Heath, Uh, You heard about all of the things that we need to change, all of the stuff that we need to put off, all of the things that we need to get rid of. Tonight we get to focus on the do. Put this on. Do this. So hopefully I'll be able to share this effectively. Okay, it worked. Uh, I think I was kind of nervous. And Brian walked me off the, or talked me off the ledge. I couldn't get this thing hooked up. I thought, I have no idea what's going on, so bear with me. We're going to read through this first. And then uh, what I want you to be looking for is the what should take the place of all of that wicked stuff that got talked about last week. The tough lesson that happened last week. This is a good lesson. It's also a tough lesson. But what should take the place of all that bad stuff and how should this be implemented? So we'll start. Therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness and humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's the text. Now we get to dissect it. Paul was writing this to a church that he had not been to, that he had only heard about. Some people that he may have taught the gospel to went and impacted that church. And then Paul started getting reports about this church. Hey, they're struggling. Hey, there's some stuff going on here. You need to know about this. Paul thought, I need to write something to these people. God is prompting me to write to these people and encourage them. And he starts out, pointing out all of the bad stuff that's that therefore because of all of that bad stuff this is what you need to do as elect of God now that can scare some people that word elect and I want to just put a different spin on that and ask each person asks themselves am I an elect of God what does it take to be elect of God. 
where does God talk about that? And not that it's our job to go and point out who is elect and who's not. That there's a time for looking at people's fruit, the fruit of their lives. And that's, that's not what we're going for here tonight. We're, Paul is telling him, look, it, hey, you guys in this church, if you're the elect of God, then you're holy. You're set apart. You're, you're, not, you're not focused on sin anymore. You're, God is holy, and you need to be like God. So be holy, and he's going to tell us how to do that. And be loved. That's a good one. Because it's a lot easier to get up here when there's a lot of people who encourage me. I dare say love, love me. Not just my family. Uh, it's probably very disheartening for some if you've been in a room full of people who are antagonistic to you or want to rip you down for your faith or are just generally mean. They don't have the same focus that you do. But we are elect of God, holy, beloved. So he tells us to do some things. Put on tender mercies. Okay. So... That may come easier for some, and that, that may take some time to, uh, to gain that as a skill. What, what's tender like? What, what's tender do? You know, when, when you get a steak and it's tender, you know, and you can just chew that up, it just melts in your mouth. Or there's really tough. If that steak's been on a little bit long, maybe 20 minutes, and it should have come off, you know, 10 minutes ago, and you're trying to chew that, and it's just tougher than chew leather. Uh, really thick skin, you know, doesn't let a whole bunch of stuff get in. Or if that person has something to share with you, it is fix-it mode all the way. And I can state that I used to go into fix-it mode or I'd have my thick skin on and just not let anything hit me. You know, it just bounce off emotionally, I thought. And then, then I'd jump into fix-it mode. Oh, yeah, well, this is your problem. This is what you need to deal with. That was not tender mercy. Uh, have you, if you've seen some of the moms and some of the dads and some of the big brothers and big sisters in here holding the babies, that's kind of the tender mercy picture. You know, you, you don't want to be rough with that baby. You make that baby cry, you are not going to get to hold that baby any longer. You know, they're, they're going to take that baby and say, mm, you're off the baby list here. So, tender mercy. Uh, Paul, Paul was able to do that, although he was kind of a jerk early on. Uh, he didn't have his, uh, his tender mercy skill built kindness. We kind of overlook this a lot, and it's, it's tough. Uh, the, the commentary that I took a look at uh, wrote this, a um, guy by the name of Barclay. I have no idea what his theology was. It just seemed like a really neat thing to, uh, to write. The ancient writers defined Christotes as the virtue of the man whose neighbor's good is as dear to him as his own. If, if your neighbor's good is as dear to you as your own, then you probably have that kindness. Uh, let's see. 
It's also used of wine, which has grown mellow with age and lost its harshness. It's the word Jesus used when he said, my yoke is easy. So, I have to ask, uh, sometimes Jesus' yoke doesn't feel very easy, does it? It feels like the hardest thing in the world. But imagine this. There's, there's two pictures that are, that are going to go with this, uh, this kindness. Um, if you've got two oxen and they're, you're trying to do a job with them, wait, I have to apologize for this analogy. I've never had an ox in my life. I don't know how they act. I, I don't plan on buying one. I've just heard this, so I'm going to throw that out there. You have two large animals that you're attempting to plow a field with, and the story goes something like this. If you have the right harness for them called a yoke, it's been hand-chiseled and measured to the, the actual beast, then it's easier for them to pull, and it doesn't rub them raw. It doesn't hurt, and they're, they're more eager to do the work. And the next day, you, you can put them in the thing. But if, if this thing has splinters and sp spikes and whatever, you're probably not going to get that animal in there a second day. You know, day two is going to go poorly. So Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Well, the second analogy is this. It's not just you in that yoke. Jesus is right there which is pretty cool because if you're pulling with Jesus, it makes it a lot easier. Uh, humility. Okay, so this one is a little tougher because back then, apparently, according to this commentator, humility was not considered a virtue. Now, there are some in our country, in our culture, that humility is not a thing to be honored. Uh, they're jerks, basically. They... They know it all, and they want to proclaim it all, and you, you just can't get a word in edgewise, and that's really tough. And some of these people are on our TV screens or in our movies or just blasting you in the face with their opinions and their, and their stuff, and they don't seem very humble. But when you see humility, you just go, wow, I want that. You know, I, I want that. Uh, and the person can be just the plainest person on the planet, just the most normal, and it's, it's just something to see. I think Jesus had this. He, uh, Isaiah 53, he didn't have anything about him that would attract us to him. He wasn't the biggest and the strongest and the most powerful in, in physical form. He didn't look like that. He, he didn't have that. But he was powerful, he was meek, he was humble. The God of creation, right there. So, uh, let's see. Meekness shows how humility, meekness is next. These two go together. Uh, meekness shows how humility will affect my actions towards others. I will not dominate, manipulate, or coerce for my own ends, even if I have the power and the ability. Long-suffering shows how humility will affect my reaction towards others. I will not become impatient, short, or filled with resentment towards the weaknesses and sins of others. Whew. You ever had anybody like that in your life who's not 
I mean, who's so patient with you? You, you screw up and they, they say, all right, let's, let's just do this. Let's just do this again. Okay, that was practice. Let's just do this again. That, that's something to be around. Uh, okay, moving right along. Bearing with one another. Okay, I want to park on this, verse 13. I bet you, I bet you anything, Epaphras knows about some people at that church, and he got the letter saying, dude A and dude B are not getting along, and here's what happened. It's not gossip. This is, how do we, how do we fix this? It, it's the good kind of gossip. It's the good kind of, here's, here's the story. It's the, do you remember the story where uh, Jesus, or a king forgives a guy who had a tremendous debt. The guy begs, please don't, don't throw me in jail. I have this tremendous debt. I'll pay you back. And the king has mercy. He says, okay, you're forgiven. And then that guy goes out and says to somebody who owes him money, bring me everything you've got or I'm going to throw you in jail. Throws him in jail. The other servants around said, no, no, this is wrong. Let's go fix this. They tell the king, this is what happened. This is the kind of thing that's going on here where somebody is able to share this with the impact of helping. Uh, bearing with one another, whoops, where was I? Oh, if anyone has a complaint. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. So two people are having a problem. That's where I was headed with this. I'm gonna throw out another example that Paul uh, talked about, and you guys may know of this. I plead with Yodia and Syntyche to get along. Uh, Philippians I said I wasn't going to say ah uh, a lot tonight, and I, I think I am, so bear with me. Philippians, that's, uh, I want to say it's Philippians 2, 5, if I wrote my notes down. Oh, it's Philippians 4, 2 through 5. I urge Eodia and Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also and the rest of all my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. They were elect. Uh, names were written in the book of life. How'd they get there? We'll come back to that. So Paul got this letter and it said there's a complaint. This one guy is complaining against this other guy, or this lady is complaining against this other lady. So he says, you got to forgive. You, you, okay, your complaint may be legitimate. Maybe Yodia snubbed Syntyche. Maybe something happened. Maybe, maybe it was valid. But this is hindering the cause of Christ. Knock it off. Now, my family hates when I say that. That's, it's like the, that's like the, don't, don't say that. Dad, if dad gets to that level, look out. Uh, so I try not to say that much. But maybe Paul had to say that with these two and say, knock it off. Get along. This is for the kingdom. Just forgive. Oh, and by the way, remember, Christ had to forgive you of stuff. And you're imperfect. And he's perfect. He's that big ox in the yoke. And you're this ox in the yoke. So, so you also. It's good. That's a biblical word right there. So, it's good. So, so do it. You also. 
But above all these things, put on love. Okay. I want to I want to pause for just a second here. The the last study was about taking off, put off this evil, put off this thing, put off this stuff that's causing you to stumble. This is put this on. This takes the place of that. You have now just removed that dirty, filthy rag that you were wearing, that I was wearing. You've taken that off. You got to put something else on. So what's it going to be? Now, in the world, in the world, we we kind of get this wrong. Somebody comes in wearing nice clothes. They're they're the man. They're they're the top whatever, and. In God's church, it doesn't work like that. So we're, we're to put off, put off the bad and put on the good. That's easier said than done. So I, I just want to say that in my own life, same way. Easier said than done. So let's take a look at this. Let's say... Right here, even as Christ forgave you, so you also put all, over all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Okay, so we're trying to be held together for some purpose, the bond of perfection. Uh, I shared a long time ago my own story about how a young man really screwed up some things, but some people really loved up on him, and and it took, it helped, it it allowed him to see what he was missing. Now, there's sometimes when people will come into the body and not respond that way. And it's our, it's our job to reach out. It's their job to reach in. It's kind of this mutual thing. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Can, can you think of another example where the peace of God does something for you. The peace of God. Right now in our world, we're looking at a mess. Russia and the Ukraine are tearing each other apart. You got the Israelis and the Palestinians going at it. There are rights and there are wrongs in those conflicts, but there are people dying right now in, in those, and in other places that I, I don't even uh, have time to mention. When man's peace happens, we, we get a bigger party in between those two and say, stop, put down your weapons, put down your weapons, let's, let's talk this out. And man's peace holds for some time, right? Man's peace works and, and helps and, and heals. But we're talking about the peace of God, which is on an entirely different level. So... We're going to jump back to uh, Genesis for just a minute. Now, I want to be really careful with the way I state this because I am not minimizing sin. So I, I want you to know that. Genesis 18 is where God comes to visit Abraham and says, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. And I came down to tell you that that all nations in the earth will be blessed because of you, but should I withhold what I'm going to do next? 
I'm going to go nuke the city after I see if the outcry is as bad as I've heard. Because there's no peace there. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. And then Abraham says, wait, 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 wait. What if there's this many? Will you still destroy this? So with the peace of God, he says, no, for that many, I'll spare them. It's pretty powerful. When you get down to the end of it, if there's five people there in that whole city, I have no idea how many people there are. Uh, let's say Van Buren has 22,000, right? Somebody who's in the real estate business, 22,000 people. Let's say Fort Smith has 88. Little Rock, I don't know. What if there's only five righteous people in that city? Will you still destroy it? Again, not minimizing the sin. I'm saying that Abraham stood before God and said, I, I know that all that sin's going on, but will you wipe out the righteous with the good? So the peace of God said, there's a limit. I, I, will, I will allow the righteous, I will be patient. God says this, I will be patient and allow them time to repent for the sake of those righteous that are living there. Uh, can you imagine God saying that about our nation? I'm going to destroy that nation because they don't look to me anymore. They're, they're evil. Look at all the stuff that they're doing. The outcry is so great. I'm going to take them out. I'm going to take them down. And somebody stands in the way and says, wait, 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 wait. You're peaceful. Not in that sense. What is the peace of God? He can see the big picture. He knows what sin does to us. So Jesus, Jesus stands in there in the way and says, you know what? I'm going to let the peace of God rule in your hearts because I'm giving people time to repent. I sure need that. Let's see, where'd we go? And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body. Our faith tradition has a habit, like a lot of others, if we see something wrong, we split, we leave. We say, you know what, we're going to take our stuff and go over here, you take your stuff and go over there, and we divide. I'm not saying that there aren't times to do that. There are probably very appropriate times if someone is not following Scripture. If, they're, if it's in the realm of opinion, you should probably watch it. So we're called to be in one body. We're called to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. That's where, that's where it, it needs to start. If it doesn't rule in our hearts, then it won't last very long. And be thankful. So we were called to this, and we're called to be thankful. You know, I put my mom through a lot, and I know I was not thankful for a lot. She worked really hard as a single mom for many years to keep me and my brothers alive until we could get out of the house. And I, I look at my children and I think, you have a different launch pad than happened in the past. It's, it's different, not really better or worse, it's different, and I want you to see it 
and I want you guys to have a better launch pad for your children. Uh, so, so that thankfulness has to be a, a key part of this. Because if we're not thankful, then we're ungrateful. And nobody wants to be around anybody who's ungrateful. Look, we're going to feed you dinner. Oh, I don't like that. No, we're going to fix your car. Oh, I don't like that. After about the third thing, you're like, I think I'm done with you. I'm going to go on to somebody who might be more open. I'm talking to myself here, by the way. I'm, I'm just trying to make eye contact. Uh, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Okay, this is great. This is great. How do you do that? You have to be around people who really appreciate God's word. You, you have to be around that. We've noticed in our family that when we have a lot of TV time, things go awry. Things just go awry. When we have a lot of computer time, things go awry because we're out of the boundaries, you know. The kids are just off the rails, and, and then we have to look at where it started. What am I doing? How am I filling my time? How can I fill my time letting the word of Christ dwell in me richly? Boy, in all wisdom, I could sure use that. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Our faith tradition is known for our singing. That's pretty great. That's pretty great. We have sent out some of the best most musically talented people trained them up right here in our bodies and sent them out into the world and they're making money singing. The songs that we sang tonight were very helpful for me before I got up here. Each one of them I could say, you know what, I, I want to make a note and bring that up in the lesson. Oh, uh, oh, there's another one. I want to make a note, bring that up in the lesson. If you've been driving through Arkansas early in the morning or late in the evening and you're singing one of those songs, doesn't it encourage you? I get encouraged. We had a men's camping trip, almost a backpacking trip, and it didn't turn out that way. It was, it was a lodge stay. Nine guys, and we sang. And it was amazing. It was really thoughtful and uh, impactful. And that doesn't happen unless we've been soaking ourselves in this. Okay, I'm going to stop there on that. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and whatever you do in word or deed, all, hang on, and whatever you do in word or deed, all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If you need, here's a couple of really cool ways to get this book in front of you, in your ears, in your mind, in your heart. There's websites that you can hit the little play button and it will play the audio. And you can just play it and play it and play it. You can just listen in. There are websites that you can play godly spiritual psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs 
that you can learn how to sing to. I'm trying to do that. Uh, with my kids, we used to sing in our house. Now, we realize we may not have, or some of us have that talent. Not all of us do. But we could work on that as a family, and that would help. And I hope that you guys have seen that in your life. When you sing as a family, it does something for you. It bonds you closer together. So I, I said I was going to, uh, to tie this in. Let's see. How do you become part of the elect of God? You have to be in, this, in his word to know what he asks of you, to know what he's said. And this isn't kind of arbitrary stuff, and it's more simple than we make it. And then it gets more complicated, too. The, the realizing that, man, we're sinners, and Jesus came to save us, And he died for our sins so that we don't have to take the punishment of that. And it's us acknowledging that and saying, yes, Lord, we need you, and doing what he says. And he says baptism being buried with Christ, putting on Christ, who's the only one who can give us power to do this. And that's why we focus on baptism so much in this faith tradition, in, in what we do, baptism has a pretty significant place. I have not always thought that. And it's, it's part of how we become closer to Jesus. It's the start, it's like a baby being born, and then we mature and we grow up into things. We're, we're told that uh, baptism is, is an elementary teaching, and there are some churches that it's not an elementary teaching for, it's like a a side thing, yeah, if you, if you get time, next October we're going to do this. So I was very challenged by this five verses. These are good things that I want in my life more. And it's very simple. Realizing that God has elect, He has a way that you can become elect, holy and beloved, set apart and loved by God, putting on the tender mercies, putting on that, that skin that says, you know what, if you're hurting, I'm going to hurt with you. And if you're rejoicing, I'm going to rejoice with you. Doing this with kindness and humility. You know what, I do it wrong all the time. How do, how do, we, how do we do it right? Okay, and if I do have it right, well, here's, here's great power restrained. And I want to be long-suffering so that, so that my neighbors who don't know Jesus will not see just an arrogant neighbor who's trying to tell them what to do, but somebody who's willing to come into their life and impact their life. Bearing with one another. Man, the guy hurt my feelings, but I'm going I'm to forgo the, the getting even. If anyone has a complaint against another... Uh, I got to just let it go. Oops. Christ forgave me. 
that's, that's what motivates. That's what motivates you. Christ forgave you. And over all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God, which blows minds. That's another passage, and I actually forgot where I listed that. The peace of God will blow your mind. Let God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So while I've just read through that, whatever we do in word or deed, there's been a lot of stuff I've done in my life that has not been to honor God. And I'd like to change that. I realize it's not all on me. If I do change that, uh, I, I can get this, the filthy rag syndrome. Hey, God, look at what I did. He's going, you know, not quite what I was looking for, Phil. Try again. So I'm hoping that tonight was uh, not, a, not a bore, not a drag, but uh, something to help. If you are in your car, if you are by yourself, get out this book, read it. Get out the songbook, sing. Sing even the, uh, the scriptures. And this will impact. It is small, but it will have a measurable impact in your life. I want that for me. I want that for you. So why don't we do that now? Uh, this is a time when people can come forward and they can confess or ask for the prayers of the church. Um, and this is where we get to do these songs and hymns and spiritual songs and hopefully it has an impact in your world. So let's sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.